You're listening to Rust Belt Running. Running is what makes me realize that, like, I'm a human being who is worth something. That is not a good measurement of my value as a human. We get between eight and 10,000 additional comments, and I read every one of them. So you had to run Sand Run for your first. You become race director and take it out. <laughs> uh, it's, you know, it's got to be old guy naked in the locker room. I, I get to spend time with my friend Adam. I get to do something with my friend. Right now, I'm not thinking much beyond what I'm going to be drinking next week at this time. Coleslaw on a taco is not taco, it's barbecue. And so we'll be discussing tonight with some occasional swear words from Andrew because he's upset. And that's okay. I know him as the biggest Kid Rock fan around. You rap that. <laughs> oh, dear God. Coming to you from two undisclosed locations, you're listening to Rust Belt Running. I'm Adam Wheeler, who you can find on social media at Wheels Up in CLE. Joined by Andrew Hedinger, who appropriately coughed right there. Uh, you can find him on social media at Andrew Runs A Lot. Andrew, how you doing? Uh, I'm just glad that you can hear me from my bunker made of toilet paper. Yes. Yes. So I'm I'm safe. <laughs> I made it. Um, yeah. So yeah. No, it's weird. It's been it's been a really bizarre week. Uh, yep. We have obviously, unless you were living under a rock, we have had the COVID nineteen uh, pandemic really escalate here in the states, and we are going to. Uh, like it or not, we're going to talk about it. We are going to relate it to running. We are going to uh, yeah, you know, bring, uh, bring it back to that. But we do want to offer some thoughts on it. I mean, similar to when Kobe Bryant passed away, um, and it wasn't running related, but we felt the need to you know, record about him. I mean, this is a this is the story of our country right now, and uh, we want to kind of offer our perspective a little bit. We'll try not to get too political, uh, but there will be some no. moments, I'm sure. Yeah, no, it's um, and it's funny because it's one of those you and I have been talking throughout the weekend. We were texting before the show today, and I said, you know, what feels really weird is I feel like we're waiting for something, and the last two days weren't enough for you. And that's just it. Is like so much has happened. You said we're going to relate it to running. Like just an hour ago, the Boston Marathon made a huge announcement about the race, and um, oh, they made it official. They yeah, they made it official. What's the date they they chose? I can... September 14th. So for the first time in the 124-year history of Boston, it's not going to be run on Patriots Day. Um, but yeah, like, it, you know, it's affecting everything. Um, you know, it was funny when I put together the outline yesterday. I started this about 24 hours ago. I specifically wrote out one of our first points is, what do we know so far? And then in parentheses, I wrote, not even going to bother writing this out now. It'll be completely different Friday. And sure enough, like in that time, March Madness has been canceled. The NBA, well, the NBA by that point when I started this yesterday had suspended its regular right. season. Gosh, that feels like that was a week back. ago. Yeah. Doesn't that feel like forever ago? Like yeah. I, I'm just – this has been – this has been so insane. Like I – yeah, like you just said it just happened – before you wrote this yesterday, because it came out Wednesday night. It came out Wednesday night, and I wrote and, this yesterday. 
Yeah. I mean, it, it's because like if you go through updates, like if you go to like the uh, the Washington Post, like just <laughs> feed of this virus. I mean, NBA canceling. You have to scroll for an eternity to get down yeah. there. Yeah. Because just so much has happened. Um. Let's see. The five major soccer leagues in Europe have all suspended operations because players in those leagues have it. Um, the Chancellor of Germany has it. The President of Brazil has it. Justin Trudeau's wife has it. Um, Tom Hanks has it. Did you see that the hospital where Tom Hanks is staying gave him a, a volleyball? Wilson. Wilson. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I think that's uh, I think that's uh, pretty. I do I do love that his uh, his wife's last name is Wilson as well. Yeah. It's just it's appropriate. And you know I think it's important that we, you know, in times like this. We, we understand that, like, now Tom Hanks and Rita Wilson, they both have pre-existing conditions. Tom Hanks with diabetes, Rita yeah. Wilson's a breast cancer survivor. So they, they are not out of the woods by any stretch of the imagination because yeah. they do have um, some compromised immunity. But, uh, you know, I, they've even been good sports about everything. And I think that's an important thing for us to have is, uh, you know, a posit as positive of an outlook as we can personally. You know, I see a lot of people. So real quick, we had to restart recording this because we had some audio issues on our first one. This is starting off way better, I think. It is. Anyways, that was a blessing in disguise. Um, I I think that there is shit. Now, I, now I don't even remember where I was going. So much for that better start, I guess. <laughs> but no, we got to be we got to have some sense of positivity and uh, and unity, I think. And I think. You know, I was out at Aldi yesterday. I was I was grabbing groceries, and I was not panic buying. I was, what, what did I tell you before? I was preparation buying. Preparation I, buying, I think. So I, you know, we did. I did stock up on, you know, meat, and I, I did frozen produce instead of fresh produce uh, to keep myself from touching uh, produce that other people will be shoving straight in their mouths. Uh, it's difficult to sanitize. Uh, produce without ruining it um so i just went for the bag frozen fruits and vegetables um yep. you know but and they last longer so i can you know keep them for a couple of weeks if we were to be quarantined uh but i i really felt that the mood at this aldi which was it was busy i don't i i would say it was maybe 25 percent busier than usual uh which I thought was a little bit low because this was coming on the heels of the announcement that school will be canceled for three weeks throughout the entire state of Ohio. Um, and uh, I, I was just really surprised at kind of the attitude of everybody. Uh, it didn't seem to be – everybody was just kind of talking about it and they're just like, man, this is a strange time, isn't it? But there wasn't like – there wasn't like an, oh my God, like this is the end of the world, apocalypse type of feeling. I didn't feel hysteria. I felt preparation and kind of a sense of community that we're all in this together because we are. That's the point. Yeah. If I get sick, the odds of me even having to go to the hospital are low yeah. unless it's just to get tested. It's not about me. It's not about my family. My son, it's not about him because he wouldn't. It doesn't appear kids have symptoms at all. So it's not about my kid. It's not about my wife. It's about the old lady who lives across the street from me. Well, I, I think that's I think that's what makes this 
such an interesting case. You know, I remember the Ebola scare in 2014, and Ebola was something that kind of captured the imagination because I think it better fit what we expect with like an outbreak or a pandemic. You know, it was it was very deadly. I think the lethality was something like one in every two cases was lethal. Yeah. It's very, very like, Hollywood. It, very much so. It's like if you rem- there was a movie called Outbreak with Dustin Hoffman and Susan Sarandon from back in the 90s. And it was sort of like the, you know, very deadly disease spreads quickly through a small community and like helicopters are coming to like bomb the town. And um, it was one of those where that that the the Ebola scare fit our imaginations, even though it really didn't impact us very much here. This is one of those things where you're right. Like if I get sick, if you get sick, odds are we're going to be fine. I worry a little bit about my parents because my parents are a little bit older. My dad's in, the, in his 70s and, and the, the lethal rate there for a case is, I think, one in 10, you know, compared to somebody our age, which is it's much lower. But, you know, what I've been trying to explain to people is that it isn't so much about if you get sick, what's going to happen? Because most people are going to be fine. It's that right. the hospital system isn't designed to handle the influx of a bunch of people all at once. People keep bringing up seasonal flu because like, hey, we see seasonal flu every year. A lot of people die from seasonal flu and, and all of that's true. But seasonal flu season lasts over the, a span of months. So the cases that come in happen over the, you know, a, a process of months. Whereas with this, it's hitting all at once. There's no vaccine. And if it spreads enough where enough people who are incredibly vulnerable get it and need to go to the hospital, it's going to overwhelm the healthcare system. And then right. you're going to see what they're talking about in Italy, where doctors are having to make decisions of, we don't have enough beds and we don't have enough ventilators to keep people alive. So we're having to make decisions about who to even treat before they even get to the hospital because we can't save everybody. So we have to kind of start making the triage decisions about who we're just not going to treat and might have to let go. And that's where you start seeing cases get more lethal. And you're looking to prevent that. But that's hard for us to understand because all of these things that are being done now, canceling school, canceling March Madness, the Masters was canceled. We'll talk about Boston and the fact that that was pushed back. All these things are being done to do the most boring thing in the world, which is that if it all works, really nothing drastic happens. And that's what you want, though. Yeah, it's, you know, it's interesting. My wife works at a hospital and uh, they're starting to see uh, the effects of this in a major way. Uh, They ER wait times now are the highest they've ever been. Mm-hmm. And, the, and and you know what? We're, we're at the beginning. Well, we're at the second beginning. We ignored the first beginning of this. We're at the, the second beginning. But here we are. Like, this is for real now. Like, we, we finally have acknowledged it at a federal level uh, in the last couple of days as being kind of a crisis. But in reality, we all know it is a crisis. And we're seeing that on the state level. Uh we're going to talk a little bit about what Ohio has done in all of this because uh, I think we're pretty proud of our home state at this very moment. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it is it is a serious problem when you talk about that healthcare thing because, yes, this hospital is becoming – it's already becoming overloaded. It, it's – and they're, they're having to put in, you know, behind the scenes, they're having to put in plans. So I, I work for a company uh, – where we um where we're we're working at a 
children's hospital right now. And I'm, I'm assuming soon we will be told not to come there and do our job. And the other day, as we were down there, we had some hospital officials uh, walk in and ask us when we would be done. And the, what we do is going to take until the middle of April. And we have a bunch of equipment in this one room. And we can't just move it all. And they're asking us when we're going to be able to vacate this room, these two rooms that we use, because they're, they need to be able to prepare for this coronavirus. Like behind the scenes, stuff is happening to increase bed space. Uh, you know, we're seeing at a, I believe it's either University Hospitals or Metro Health uh, is doing um, setting up tents outside now for triage. And the triage thing is so interesting because, as you said, in Italy, they're almost doing it in a backwards way from what triage typically is. Because triage typically is the sickest go first. But in this case, the sickest, we kind of have to cut our losses because the situation is so dire. Yeah. If you're not, if you're not going to make it, we're sorry. We have to turn you away because we know you're going to die. Yeah, we might be able to save this person's. So go back and be comfortable. Yeah. I mean, that's if that's not devastating to people, if that does not let people know what a real crisis this is. This isn't fake news. This isn't a hoax. No. This is a we are on the cusp of having a crisis we've never had in this country. And people are uh, I, I mean, I work with some of them. They are turning a blind eye to it and being sarcastic on social media. I get like, you know, kind of poking fun at people who are hoarding toilet paper, which is a problem because, you know, some of the panic hoarding is um, kind of a version of class warfare. And uh, it's something that we need to be very careful of uh, because that can be very dangerous for lower income families. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it's, it's not something that we should be taking lightly. You know, a couple weeks ago, uh, you and I were talking, and we we were, we actually had talked about this virus. Yeah. And we we had to edit it out because we went way. I think it just took a direction that neither one of us saw coming. It turned uh, more into a debate. Yeah, it, which it was. I don't think we were anticipating at the no. time. It was. I mean, it had barely started here, and, and you, right. you and I, you and I differed pretty drastically on it and we just decided to cut it i i wouldn't i think there was so like i kind of i didn't do enough research on it i think was my biggest problem uh and as we as it started to come here i you know i have a couple of big events coming up at the end of april beginning of may i'm supposed yeah. to be running the glass city marathon which we're going to talk about uh and then i'm my family's supposed to go on a cruise out of baltimore the first weekend of may yeah. And I actually where where my mindset began to change was I was trying to find information that would reassure me that those two events would not be touched, that sure. this was going to be something that was going to just go away. Right. We were going to we were going to fatigue from it. Uh, it wasn't going to be the problem we think it is. It's just a cold. I was trying to find this information. And the bottom line was when I was looking at 
legit medical information and peer-reviewed articles, I could not find that information. There was no information that was reassuring to me that those two events were going to happen and that this was only going to get worse. Right. And uh, then this week we began to see numbers and uh, it's staggering. And we, we need to we need to take this very seriously. So on our outline here, you wrote um, Adam's hot take. And then the next bullet point also says Adam's hot take. Yeah, I don't know how that so, happens. Uh, <laughs> So let's go to just one Adam's hot take. But Adam, you have a hot take for us. Yeah, I, uh, I assume it involves uh, Facebook. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, and it's it's funny because you talked about some of your coworkers and and the fact that they're kind of downplaying this. And um, I wrote this after a, a it's, it's a sustained conversation that I'm having with a with a guy that you know grew up in the same small hometown that I went to and and never left it and i had posted uh i had posted an article yesterday about some of the conditions in italy that we've described and, and why we need to start taking this seriously and really what we're just looking to prevent and he hit me with the the fake news thing and generally i'm pretty dismissive of people with fake news it's like whatever like you're not going to get through to them it is what it is and, and so many of the things that people talk about you know when you're talking about like the economy and things like that they're just such big they're just such big, um, complicated matters that it's like, you know, how are you gonna how are you gonna convince somebody that something's not fake news about the economy? But with this, like, there's no way you're gonna stop this. Viruses spread a certain way. It, it, this is happening. It's here. We're gonna deal with it one way or the other. And so, like, I, instead of dismissing him, I've been trying to have this conversation with him. And and what we basically had to agree to do is just agree to disagree. And I, I said, like, come back to me in two weeks and we'll talk again. But my hot take is this. You know how, like, every once in a while, and I'm sure you've seen this on Facebook, too, the, the posts of, like, high schools need to teach uh, high schoolers how to sew and home economics and do their taxes. Like, they don't ever teach us to do this. Who gives a shit about, you know, taking calculus and that stuff anyway? And, and people go, yeah, yeah, you know, that's really true. Let me tell you something. As I watch people read disinformation about this and, you know, post videos of some schmo on Facebook or uh, on YouTube explaining why this isn't important. Listen, we need to do a better job of teaching kids like how to evaluate information and understand probability and understand fractions and understand exponents and things like that because there are so many people going, there's only five cases in Ohio. I don't see why this is a big deal. And I, I saw that you had sent me that the clinic confirmed that there are a handful of cases. So we're seeing more confirmed cases. But this whole, like, we need to teach these kids how to sew and do shit like that. No, we need to teach kids how to better evaluate news and information because every time somebody on Facebook writes out how this isn't a big deal and we're panicking and we're freaking out and overreacting, I want to, I just want to scream. It's yeah. not. Like, it, it's not. You can't will this to go away with fake news. And, right. like, yes, yeah, sewing and understanding how to do your taxes, that's all very important. So we also need to just do a better job of evaluating information. And honestly, I think one of the biggest things that you've pointed out, like how you kind of changed your mind over two weeks, you had a very natural reaction. Things that you care about, you wanted them to go on. Like, I could not have foreseen in two weeks ago that, all basic sporting events have been canceled. Like that would have been, right. I arranged my, I had arranged my entire week next week work-wise to hang out with my dad and watch March Madness. 
I, I didn't want to think that could happen. And I think maybe one of the most important things that can happen in a situation like this is to, one, not panic, because there's not a need to panic. You need to be vigilant, but not panic. Right. But two, be willing to admit what you don't know and be okay with it. Not be scared of it, but be willing to admit that there's things that you don't know and that, say, a doctor at the CDC knows better than, you know, GamerGuy69 on YouTube who took a college class on microbiology and tells you there's nothing to worry about. Like, right. we just we need to do a better job of just trusting those things and admitting what we don't know. And that's where... I guess maybe that's not a very hot take, but I was just thinking about that. The whole, like, we need to learn how to do our taxes. No, buddy, you need to understand how a pandemic works, and you need to understand, like, where you go to for information for something like this. And the dude on YouTube isn't it. Um, I, uh, I had posted something on Facebook yesterday, uh, and I, I sometimes consider myself a bit of a wordsmith. Uh, and I thought, I did think this was a good one, and it came because a, a family member in a group text over a uh, potential trip to Ohio um, had said unnecessary panic in a text. And I, uh, it kind of led me to write this because I see it a lot. And I just said, I think a lot of people are confusing extreme caution with panic. I think a lot of people are confusing mental preparedness with yes. panic. I think a lot of people are confusing compassion for the high-risk people in our communities with panic. Reaction and action does not always equal panic. Like, I am not panicking. Yes, no. I went and bought a bunch of groceries yesterday. I'm not, not panicking. I am prepared. So you, if you don't think this is a big deal, 62 days ago, the Washington Post had said that there was a new virus uh, in uh, Wuhan, China, that was causing pneumonia in people, and they didn't know what this virus was. 62 days ago. Here we are 62 days later in Canton fucking Ohio. My wife works at Altman Hospital. They have probable confirmed cases feet from where she works. Do not tell me that a virus that has killed thousands of people and traveled that distance in that short amount of time and is at my doorstep. Don't tell me it's not a big deal. This is a huge deal. We do not need to panic, but we have to be prepared. Yeah. And do not confuse preparedness with panic. And I tell you what induces panic. You brought this up the other day because I had um, – I think one one thing that has led a lot of people to go, it's not a big deal, is how successful South Korea has been because they could have had a catastrophe with that church that uh, had yeah. thousands of people God, affected. I've forgotten about that. Um, it's amazing you said earlier how many things that happened and you're like, I forgot about that because it's evolved <laughs> so fast. So like South Korea – they are they're right there with china right there they their protective border is north korea with china yeah that's not a good one for them to have so they they have managed to they had cases a huge outbreak far before we did and it didn't really add up to much compared to what we may be dealing with here and yeah. it's because they've been testing and testing and testing and people in south korea did not panic because they had data they had information uh we we really don't here we just said the cleveland clinic confer it um we have confirms a handful of cases who knows what a handful is uh right. but uh it's it's because 
Okay, I think it's time to shift to why we're proud of Ohio because these two points kind of go together. Uh, Cleveland Clinic has developed a test that is uh, gives us results far quicker than uh, the test that the CDC was um, administering at a very slow rate. So not only did we have very few tests, we were getting results from those few tests in far too much time. So now we have a... We, we have Cleveland Clinic here in the beautiful state of Ohio, Northeast Ohio specifically, the Rust Belt, home of this podcast. We, were se- we are setting the mark very high here in Ohio. Yeah. And, and, and it starts with Cleveland Clinic, and, uh, and, it, and it starts with, uh, you know, Adam and I, if you can't tell, both hold pretty liberal view- political views. Yep. Um, and I say that to say we really – Despite disagreeing with Governor Mark DeWine, um, I called him Mark, Mike DeWine. Um, that's like when I made, I messed up a soccer. Oh, Ian, what did I say? Ian, Ian Dyke. Yeah, that's. Uh, so Mike DeWine, I knew when I said it, it was wrong. Um, yeah, we're, he's a Republican. And we disagree with Mike DeWine on many, 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 many things. Yep. Um, but the way he has handled this outbreak, giving us transparent information, we got the, the word yesterday that they uh, believe 1% of the Ohio population is currently infected. Which That's is 120,000 people. Yes. Every day. I, that, that number should induce panic. It doesn't because we have it. It's in, it, honestly, it's important that they announce that because – there's going to be some sticker shock going on in the next few days because with our yes. testing being so slow, as of yesterday, like they made that announcement, and at the time they made the announcement, there were only five confirmed cases in Ohio. And, so there's going to be I believe some we had come out. We had only administered like 300 tests in the state of Ohio yeah. at that point. Like that, there are far more people in hospitals than 300 who have that illness. Far more people yeah. walking around than 300 who have that illness and uh and and this is but this is why we're so proud of the state of ohio because you know like i said i was at the grocery store we didn't seem to be panicking after that announcement no it's it's preparing yeah but we understanding we got to be ready you know people i really don't hear people complaining that our kids are out for three weeks there are concerns that come with that i think the the two greatest concerns which you know my feelings on andy baskin and phelps Oh, <laughs> but that I, I had I, I had to go to um, I had to go to the store t- this morning. Um, I was running a few errands and 92.3 was on, on just because it's always on in my car because I just never change my radio, mm-hmm. even when Baskin and Phelps are on. Um, but I got to give Andy Baskin credit. Like he came out, he was talking about, you know, we're doing the right thing. But, you know, one of the biggest concerns for us has to be how are these kids going to be eating? Because many yeah. of these kids, their their only meals are. I might cry at some point during this episode because there are community things that I hear that just it just makes me so happy. It gives me like hope and humanity. And this is one of them. You know, to talk about how these kids, their only meals that they eat, some of them, is breakfast and lunch at school. And he is promoting getting out there and helping these kids during this. Because was, how how else are they going to eat? I mean, I just I think that's that's the type of stuff that to me is just incredible. Because 
this is a crisis that we are all in together. And when I hear somebody like Andy Baskin, who I, I mean, I'm sure he's a nice guy. It's not that I don't like Baskin and Phelps because they're not good dudes. I'm sure. I mean, they just, they do come across as great guys to me. I, I just their, can't stand I their taste. Your opinions. Yeah. <laughs> just, I just hate how they do their show too. They're just old fogey dudes who have old fogey dudes call in who love watching preseason football because a bunch of dudes for the love of the game who now are like practice squad cars. players in the XFL. <laughs> like, I mean, it's, uh, you know, uh, so what? But they seem like great dudes, and just to hear them use, you know, to hear them use their platform to like promote positive, like proper information. Um, Adam the Bull in, in the afternoons is a lot the same way, and uh, I just, but I don't know. That just really, um, I just thought that was really cool that you know to use that platform to talk about that. Like there are other, there is some collateral damage with uh with these proper actions these proper aggressive actions but there's other things that we need to address yeah and i think what's interesting about this is we'll we'll be turning to its impact on running here in a couple of minutes but what's interesting about this when you think about it in terms of it's it's exposing some things that are needed but it's also exposing um like how how much we'll go to lengths to help each other because I mean when I taught at Ravenna that was one of the things that I saw firsthand was one of the one of the days that had the highest attendance for like the the free and reduced breakfast at Ravenna was the day before we would go on a break because those kids that would be the last time they knew guaranteed they were getting breakfast and lunch that day so like day before Christmas break, like that was, I'd walk in and I was always one of the first teachers there. I'm not a morning person, but I just wanted to kind of get in and get my stuff set up. I'd walk in and walk down to the cafeteria. The cafeteria was by the office where I do all my copying and I'd look and the cafeteria would be packed because it was the last time those kids knew they were getting, you know, two meals in a day. So it's good that we're, we're starting to point these things out. Yeah. That it's being noticed because a lot of times what you hear is just like, oh, well, you know, what are you going to do? Yeah. Well, I was like, no, this is legitimately a thing. Like these are, this is, it, it's because it's interrupting our, our, it's interrupting our routine. It doesn't occur to us that when these kids go home for the summer, the same thing is there. It's, it's happening <laughs> now. And it's like, oh yeah, no, these, these kids aren't going to get those meals. Um, I think that one of the other things, and th this one I, I think is a little more difficult to solve is um, healthcare workers who in particular are single parents um, yeah. you know, how, how do they handle this? Because, you know, the, as the healthcare system begins to see this uh, overload, what are these healthcare professionals going to do? I mean, hospitals have, my, like Altman, my wife's work, they, they have been uh, very flexible. They, they have removed any, um, uh, like, cor t corrective action, write-ups, whatever you want to call it, for calling off over the next or for the foreseeable future, because they get like three occurrences or something a year to call off for being sick. Um, that there's there's none of that. They are they have removed that. You can call off all you need to. Yeah. Uh, over the next few weeks, uh, whether that's to take care of your kid, to take care of yourself, to take care of a family member. If you have to quarantine, you can, and they are being flexible with how you can use your PTO. You can even take unpaid time if you would prefer to do that. If you want to kind of like spread out your, how much PTO you use, they're being flexible. Uh, but with that flexibility comes a healthcare worker who won't be there. Right. And 
that that needs to be a concern of ours. And I, I'm not sure how you address that. My wife and I were trying to discuss it earlier. Um, and I don't know that there's a great answer because you have to be able to provide some sort of child care, which exposes children. But if you can keep the group small, you can at least keep tracking of contact easier. Right. So I don't know if that's the answer. Um, I'm sure they'll come up with something because as I said, um, while you were going to the restroom, hospitals are preparing for this. And there is a lot oh, going on behind yeah. the scenes that we're not seeing. I mean, I'm, I'm sure that you will begin to see construction trailers and stuff like that at hospitals to be extra bed space. I mean, they're supposed to be in, um, in like the, I forget what my wife calls them, but there's like special rooms that these patients are supposed to be in. Uh, you got to put them in a bed. If, if, if those rooms aren't available, they're going to be in a bed somewhere. So yeah. you're going to see very unconventional things to uh, take care of this. Um, and it's just really um, interesting. So before, uh, before we, we head to the wider world of sports, just to talk about its impact on that, I'm curious about its impact on your running specifically, you know, you were in the middle of training for Toledo and, and we'll see if that race happens given the number of spring races that are being delayed. I'll, you know, we'll no, they said it's on. They, yeah. We'll they see. told, they told me on Instagram, they, they slid into my DMS, uh, this morning. Oh. Uh, and because uh, I had posted on Instagram, I'm seriously just waiting for GCM Toledo to get canceled so I can stop training and just run. I they saw said, that. They said, don't count on it. Keep training. Muscle emoji. And so I just responded. They haven't seen it yet. Uh, just considering it makes the most sense for our community and the governor's band that clearly affects the race. I'm expecting it because their post yesterday made absolutely no sense. Um, I'm going to pull it up real quick just so I can read it because I want to yeah. go straight from the horse's mouth. Um, all right. So. Today's announcement from the governor of Ohio does not affect our event schedule April 24th to 26th. We continue to monitor this fluid COVID-19 situation and will always make necessary decisions in the best interest of our participants and community as a whole. That was actually really bad punctuation. Review all updates on this subject. Keep up your training and stay safe. Um, no, they are not exempt from the governor's ban. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know if I fully understand that. I, I was actually curious because I signed up for a much smaller race in April, uh, early April, and it's like I signed up for it earlier in the week, and now I'm going, you dumbass, you probably just dropped forty bucks, you're never gonna get back. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't necessarily know how it wouldn't apply to them. Um, what I was curious about with you specifically was. You know, obviously, hard training is a strain on your body. Yeah. Are, are you are you worried about, are you going to look to cut back or anything, you know, just uh, not wanting to put that strain on your body at all? I, I would say that's not necessarily a concern of mine, that okay. part of it. Um, you know, because you and I talked before about, like, compromising your immune system with long, because I, I don't, I don't think I'm in a long run until I really see what's happening. I have 20 on the schedule for this week. I'm not doing no. that. Like, one, I don't want to waste a 20 miler. I don't want to go out for 20 miles and then have the race be canceled. And I sure. think there's a 95% chance this race is going to be canceled. And then of that remaining 5%, there's a 2.5% chance I cancel it on my own and just don't go. And then the other 2.5% would be me getting there. So there's a very small chance that I'm going to be in Toledo at the end of April, which is really, really sucks because Monday 
um, through work, I had the chance to be at the University of Toledo in the glass bowl. And I yeah. got to see the 50-yard line. And I just thought that was – I was like, man. And this was on the heels of a great 18-miler where my last mile was 655. And I was just like, yes. I'm like, I am – this is good. And I've never had a good spring training cycle. I've always had – like I've gotten sick with allergies or a stomach bug or – like some home improvement project gets me going and I just totally focus on that for like two weeks. And yeah, you know, there's always something that happens during spring training for me. And this one, there hasn't been. And until now, and it just sucks. It's been so good to this point. And, uh, you know, but I think our reaction as a community needs to be, yeah, that sucks. It sucks that I'm, you know, probably not going to run glass city. I feel bad for myself and other people who are training for it for that, but not, not running the race is the proper decision. Yeah. Um, canceling this race is the right thing to do. We don't need as, as we appear to maybe be up there with now we'll see how numbers go throughout the entire country, but it kind of looks like Ohio may be one of the highest affected air or states um, to this point, along with New York, uh, Washington and California, uh, it looks like we may be up there. It's not a good idea to be bringing people to Ohio. It's not a good idea for people in a state like that to be around people who are not infected. Right. Um, so it's just not a good idea to hold the race. Um, and that sucks, but it is what it is. And I'll just have to, you know, move forward. Hopefully I get my money back. If I don't in <laughs> the irony being, if I don't, it's the first time I've ever paid early bird pricing. <laughs> We'd had this conversation about if it's worth paying early bird pricing or just paying more later when you know, for sure you're gonna be able to do it. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I, I wonder if what they'll look to do is what some other races are doing, which is to postpone until the fall rather than just flat out cancel it. Yeah. a lot of places and this was this is why boston decided to change their time i mean number one it's iconic boston marathon holds the distinction and they're very proud of holding the distinction of being the oldest continuously running marathon in the world there right. was no way they were going to let that go and two is that like that's a huge economic boon to boston you wouldn't right. want to you wouldn't want to just throw that out either so i'm wondering if you're going to see more races just go to the hey like we're not going to hold spring races we'll reschedule sometime in the fall and it's obviously going to lead to a very packed race calendar and right there'll, there'll be some diminished returns because everybody's going to be looking to do their races you're not going to be able to you know you're training for columbus if you had to choose i would imagine you would probably choose columbus over glass city for the fall i mean maybe i would do both similar to how i did akron that's true you know, True, based on, outlets, yeah, and, you know, maybe even just drop down to the half at Glass City if Columbus is after or vice versa, you know, yeah. whatever it may be. Yeah. Um, but I think what's I do think there's one thing that's cool with Boston. I've seen this a little bit. And this is where the community aspect that's really cool is people are understanding. Uh, now, I haven't read the official announcement from Boston yet. I haven't gotten to that point because you told me, um, I think, either while we were recording or right before uh, that it was official. Yeah, they announced it at ten fifteen. You oh, okay. keep talking. Pull it up. Um, but uh, I think the one thing that's cool is there. Yesterday, as the announcement was coming out, there are a lot of people who are like, "Oh my gosh, I'm going to run the only Boston Marathon to be run in September." Yeah, that's that's a cool distinction. Like those are the types of things where it's like, yeah, see, we're not panicking. We're prepared. People are prepared. Ryan McCartney had the best Facebook comment of all time, and you only log in on Twitter like once per day. It's but, great. 
he uh he but you miss things like this when that happens i know <laughs> his tweet was i can be such a dick sometimes and then he posted a screenshot of somebody who had asked in a boston marathon group they said when can we expect our bib number assignments ryan mccartney now this was yesterday morning ryan mccartney's comment on it is uh probably late march 2021 I just, <laughs> yeah, you know, have some fun oh, with it like that, um, and just under prepare yourself mentally for those things. Um, Can I just yeah. say, I feel like I have, I have dodged a bullet <laughs> twice now, not getting into Boston. Last year, I got hurt. What would have been about a month before Boston, and like I couldn't run more than a couple of miles with my my calf just screaming at me. So I probably wouldn't be able to do it. And then there's this year and granted the race is going to go on, but Boston's an expensive venture. And while the race itself has been moved back, you know, who knows what's going to happen. A lot of people get non-refundable flights and, you know, who knows airlines are hurting right now. They might go ahead and, and, you know, they get some you know, goodwill going. Everybody has been very accommodating. You know, we're, we keep yeah. talking about community. I mean, carnival who we booked our cruise through, so they are offering you to reschedule your cruise, uh, and you can do that at no cost to you uh, if you are cruising between now and May 31st, which our cruise leaves on May 3rd. Right. Um, they shrunk, or no, they I guess they extended their cancellation window, uh, where now we can cancel up to 30 days. I expect that number to change. I've seen things yeah. where they've said 24 to 48 hours, which seems to be kind of how the cruise industry has gone. And you can always kind of follow what the companies you're interested in are going to do by what their competitors do. So, uh, but they, you know, they, a week ago, they gave us $200 onboard credit on our cruise. Like, hey, we want you to keep, if, if you cruise with us still on your um, booked cruise, we're going to give you 200 bucks. That's awesome. Yeah. Like, well, I can change or I get 200 bucks if I continue to cruise. Okay. Like, we haven't made our decision yet because, you know, I we have a cancellation window that we haven't entered yet. Um, so we want to continue to monitor the situation. Um, and uh, may, maybe in the next couple of weeks, we'll have an idea what it looks like a month and a half from now. And that's the thing, too, is like it keeps evolving so fast that why make a decision now? You really don't know right. what it's going to look like. I mean, we, we could be in a situation, uh, you know, if we take aggressive action like uh, Governor DeWine has done, um, I could I could force I don't think it's likely, but I could foreseeably see us being in a situation where it's like, yeah, this is on the decline. Let's see these. Let's continue these measures. It seems to be working. And. By the beginning of May, we can try to get back to some semblance of normal. I could see right. that being a reality. I don't think that's likely, but I could see that being where we're at in a week or two weeks. Um, right. As long it, depending on what aggressive measures we add on top of what we've already done, too. Because um, I kind of think of this school now. I'm just projecting, but I'm, I I kind of think of the school ban looks like it may be working by the end of next week. That there's kind of a decision. Do we real? Do we go even more all in because this appears to be slowing the spread? Um, do we do we do? Are we even more aggressive because we can really limit the impact? We see that this is working. Um, I don't know. It's just 
I texted you yesterday. I'm just intrigued. Like I'm kind of enthralled with our reaction. It's kind of like watching a movie, but in real life. I'll be interested to see. I, I think I'll be interested to see what things look like in a week. I think it may take longer than that to know what the impact is going to be because we are working off old data. Like people keep focusing on the number of confirmed cases and you brought it up earlier. We haven't tested many. And because of that, we really don't know how much it's out there. And that's why, like when I I brought up sticker shock earlier, we're going to keep testing people and those numbers are going to keep going up. And to many, it's going to look like, Oh shit, it's getting worse. And what it's really going to be is just more of a catching up with like, no, this is where we've been at for a while. We just didn't know it. So, but yeah, I mean, eventually we're going to get past, we're going to get on the other end of it and you'll start to see things coming down. But I just, I don't know when that's going to be. That's why I'm saying, I, I, I feel like we're waiting for something to happen. And that's such a weird thing to say because things have happened. Things are already happening. Work has been a ghost town. And this weekend is going to be nutty. I think, uh, I think yeah. this weekend going into the beginning of next week is going to be nutty because, you know, you're starting to see ERs fill up. You're starting to see more people who feel okay uh, wanting to be tested. I had a friend who had the flu and, um, you know, I'm a little surprised by his uh, reaction to all of this because he tends to be um, on the other side of many issues as I, but uh, he really wanted to be tested for this. Like he pleaded with his doctor, but because he didn't have shortness of breath, um, the doctor said, no, you don't need to be tested. And it's like, I, I mean, that sucks that we just don't have enough tests. If you want to be tested, you should be able to be tested and quickly. Um, yeah. But, you know, as we get more tests, yeah, that number is going to increase drastically just like happened in Korea. I mean, just think about it. their numbers were what they have like seven or 8,000 confirmed cases. I think so. And they tested like 80% of their population. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if there's a, there's a graphic somewhere on Facebook. I believe that like test per million people, they've tested like 3000 plus per million people over there and we've tested 23 people per million people here you know so they were able to identify where it was how far it spread yeah and then basically quarantine those people keep them from going out whereas we aren't we have no idea where or how widespread it is because we just specifically didn't test people right and that's the problem is that that's that's when the spread starts getting out there and that's why that's why there was such a disconnect yesterday when we have five confirmed cases in Ohio as of yesterday and the governor goes no it's probably more like 120,000. Yeah, I just think that's so badass of DeWine to say, look, I don't have like the we don't have concrete evidence of this. All we have are, you know, very smart people figuring out the math. And I'm going to give you this number anyways, even though this can't be confirmed. Yeah. And I, I think what people don't understand is that puts us at ease, despite that number being huge. Information is great. We're not getting information from the federal government. All we're getting is numbers that rich of the only numbers we're really really getting from the federal government is the amount of money that rich people are going to pocket from this. Right. That's another story for another day. But it's I th- reality. I think I'm a bit more east too because of a of a statistic i sent you earlier in the week 
was that the the doctor who takes care of Congress in the Supreme Court testified. I don't know. I shouldn't say testified. I believe he briefed congressional leaders on Tuesday, and uh, this is according to sources. I want to. I want to say this. He didn't testify this out loud, but NBC News said, according to two sources, he said to congressional leaders, "Hey, I expect somewhere between seventy and one hundred fifty million Americans to get this. Our population total is right around three hundred thirty million. So you're talking about twenty-five to forty percent of the population." So I think because I had that number in mind, DeWine coming out and saying 120,000, I went, okay, that, that's on pace with where we would be. That's right. actually below pace with where we well, would be. But yeah, that's just it. The more information that's out there, if, yeah. if all we're getting is confirmed cases every day and it keeps going up, which it's, it's expanding exponentially, they're going to keep going up, that can freak you out. But if you know right. like the full extent of where it could go, that's why, like you said before, preparation, that's how you avoid yeah. the panic. Yep. And uh, UC San Francisco, they, they came out with a study um, late last night, early this morning, um, that the numbers are right in line with that doctor. They said 40 to 70% of our population will like, likely be infected. Now, that's over the next 12 to 18 months. So that's, not, that's yeah. how many people are going to get it in the next month. So, you know, like, again, like numbers and data, it makes sense. Um, and it doesn't cause alarm. The thing that should cause alarm is the fact that 40 to 70 percent, if you go with the one percent mortality rate that is kind of been calculated based on not confirmed cases, but believed to be infected, um, people who didn't necessarily seek medical treatment and we can't confirm because we can't test them, uh, it appears that it may be one percent. Um, uh, that's still a shit ton of people. You know, I mean, if you're talking 70% of the population, that's 1.5 million people. Yeah. That, I mean, that is definitely, that is cause for concern. And I would say cause for panic, but really it's cause for aggressive measures to stem the tide of this as best we can. Yeah. And um, that that's the reality we face. I don't think you hear panic in me and Adam's voice, even as we, you know, read off these scary numbers um because you know we we do have we are at the second beginning of this and we we do have a chance to try to curb it as much as we can uh but we need aggressive action from our leaders and we need smart work from our communities and we need smart work from you and the everyday person who needs to not go to work when they're sick not go out when they're sick um, we need our business, local businesses to step up and offer PTO to every employee, uh, regardless God, of if they're offered it upon hiring. I mean, service worker, you, you I mean, you're fucked, dude, if you get sick. Um, yeah. You're I fucked right now anyways. But, I mean, if we can, if we can, you know, stimulate the personal economy of people through this we can stem the tide of economic catastrophe by ensuring that people feel economically safe to stay home. Um, and we can stem the tide of the pandemic uh, catastrophe by people being feeling safe to stay home. And I just think that that's an important um, part of where we are. And the data that we have should cause alarm to our governments and to 
uh, private businesses, and they need to understand that we need to take aggressive action against this. I'm curious, kind of thinking like long term down the road, because one of the, you know, we're seeing all these major sports leagues shut down for a while. And what it actually led to, the conversation that you and I had a couple of weeks ago that we ended up deleting was the, uh, the Olympic official, Dick Pound, coming out and saying, like, hey, I don't... Dick Pound. <laughs> the giggle. Um, <sighs> but what I, was get, what, I was, what I wanted to get at was that's obviously down the road. And he had come out and said there's probably about a three-month window to decide... You know, what's going to happen with Tokyo this right. summer? And since then, there's been, we've seen reports of, well, you know, it could be delayed a couple of years. We've seen reports of, no, the IOC will not do that. It's going to happen in 2020 or it's not going to happen. Right. I, I was wondering what your thoughts were. If you think that, like, down the road, this is going to not cause a scaling back of the Olympics, but do you think that there are going to be countries less likely to go in on the full investment that the IOC demands because the IOC has been really ridiculed in the last few years for like wanting they want all new construction right they want they want this huge investment and then there's a lot of reports about how just once the Olympics leaves it leaves these places where these venues are no longer being used and I'm just curious like do you think something like this leads to a scaling back a little bit of we don't need to go all-out new construction. We can scale it back and still have the spirit of the games, but not have to go all out with this pageantry. And I don't know because the the part the point you just brought up about these venues not being used. I mean, that's been known for years. I mean, yes. Atlanta was probably the last one to really use their venues because the Olympic Stadium became Turner Field, which became. Uh, where, where the Braves played. Yeah. Uh, which even after that, even after the Braves moved to um, to um, Cobb County, that, that's been repurposed again for the Georgia State football stadium. So, yeah. I, but that was really probably the last one because 2000 was where was that Sydney? Yeah. Um, and you know that that was really where all of this began. Where you can I love photos and like photo sequences of abandoned places. I don't know why. I think it's just interesting as hell. And some of the Olympic venues are just the craziest ones to see because, like, you can – like, especially Beijing because that was such a memorable one in 2008. Yeah. Uh, you know, when, you can see, like, where Michael Phelps got these records and, like, some of this shit's not used at all. Yeah. And it's over – and it yeah. becomes overgrown and decrepit. And so I don't think that impacts it because that's been known for – here we are. It's 2020. Yeah, that's been known for 20 years that that happens. Um, so I don't know that doesn't happen. City games don't occur, but I mean, this would be the first time since yeah World War Two or was it World War One? Where uh, we there was the well, I was gonna say the eighty, but no, the eighty Olympics happened. We just boycotted. So yeah, World War Two. Yeah. So you know, I it's it that is so few and far between. I'm not. Sure. I think there might be maybe a little bit of but money, dude. Money talks a lot. And we we can't take that out of the equation. Um, Tokyo may lose their ass on canceling these Olympics. NBC may lose their ass on canceling these Olympics. But I think you're more likely to see a postponement of them. I guess uh, 
to some Tokyo officials were saying uh, the only language that we're bound to is they have to happen in 2020. Okay. So, which really opens the door for it to maybe be moved to, I don't know what the weather's like in the winter. I mean, it can't be too bad. They have a marathon that they canceled in February. Um, so maybe they're looking at doing a like fall to winter summer Olympics. I don't know. Yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be weird. Cause you're just going to see, I mean, we've already seen a reshuffling now and you're just going to see there's going to not, there's not going to be an NCAA champion this year. You know, what will it look like in two or three months? You know, leagues, baseball has said like, we're going to delay for at least two weeks. I have a suspicion we're not going to see baseball till May. So it's, yeah. it's going to be interesting because we're kind of in uncharted waters here and just kind of wondering where's it going to go. Yeah, I think April, I think March and April are pretty much canceled and probably the beginning of May. I just think that that's just, you know, we, we say that not from, I say that, I, I can't say we because I just think you probably agree with me. Um, but uh, I just, I think at least you can probably mentally prepare yourself, not panic, but mentally prepare yourself that, you know, big events in March and April are probably gone. Yeah. Uh, I think it's more than likely that you should, you know, you have races scheduled. You have, um, you know, vacations scheduled. You know, even if they're not canceled, you have to look at, is it smart? Yeah. You know, I'm looking I'm looking at that for our crews. I'm, you know, haven't made a decision yet because I still have a window of time to make that decision. Um, I haven't made a decision on Glass City. I'm not going to... If they make the decision for me, great. Um, and that the only decision they can make for me is to cancel. And then I, if they don't do that, then I will have to kind of look at um, other things. And I just think it's smart that you mentally prepare yourself for what may be. And I, I think it's smart that you just, you know, take care of your family, take care of your communities. Um, just one final thought I want to kind of leave you with. I thought one of the best stories of this week as we uh, kind of wrap up here is um, I thought there was a very poignant video uh, and I texted you, gosh, it feels like I texted you this like four days ago. Um, I texted you this yesterday morning. I said, Mark Cuban is the motherfucking man. Oh yeah. Uh, I, I about lost it when it, there, there's videos of him reading the email that, the league was suspended and he's courtside. Mark Cuban is courtside and sees that. And his reaction was one of just complete shock. Yeah. Um, it, it, but it wasn't anger. Like he was almost smiling. Like, Oh, he probably like told somebody, Oh my gosh, I called it or something like that. Yeah. Um, and so he, he reads this email in complete shock, like throws himself back in his chair and, shows it to the guy next to him. And then he goes and talks to people on the bench. And then he shows the, uh, his phone to in a, the game official who takes it to the referees. And they're all like, all these people on the court are talking about it. And then Mark Cuban is interviewed courtside. And without being asked a question about it, he, he says the team doesn't matter. What matters is our country and our community. I think about the hourly workers and we're going to put something together for them, like the hourly workers of the team, the, the arena and stuff like that. Yeah. This dude, unprovoked, pushed his own team brand, not the players, but just the brand of the Mavericks to the side. 
And his first thought was for the employees who were going to lose out on wages. Yep. It'd be nice if uh, others stepped up to the plate on that. It, it would be. But I tell you what, there could not have been a better owner to be on TV in that moment because he set the precedent for the league. Yeah. And I see companies like Disney who are stepping up to the plate, who are closing down their parks for this, but are continuing to pay hourly employees who run the park. They're continuing to pay cast members. I look at what U-Haul announced this morning, that they are giving storage space to college students who are being displaced. This is how companies can step up and help their employees and help our community and help our country avoid catastrophe. So I call on my employer, I call on Adam's employer and the employers everywhere to step up to the plate the same way people like Disney and Mark Cuban did. No, my my employer is not Disney and doesn't make that kind of money, but it also doesn't have that kind of staff. Yeah. We can step up and do what we can to save, to prove UC San Francisco and that doctor wrong that 70 to 100 million people could be infected by this disease, leading to a million people dying. We can step up and we can prevent that, but it has to be our community looking out for everyone. (sighs) I can't do it anymore. No, you're the one that has to take us out. That's your uh, job. It is. All right. So I'm not trusted with that ability. <laughs> so I'm going to leave you with our typical tagline, but I did type this to Adam yesterday, and I was like, I'm putting this on the podcast tomorrow. So, guys, as you go out into your world and you go out into work, I want you to remember <laughs> one thing. Control what you can, help who you can, and basically, fuck everything else. So, for Adam Wheeler, I'm Andrew Redinger. Stay safe, stay clean, enjoy your miles, everybody.